1: Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB At-Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only 3 dollars per month.
0: Deep left field, it's gonna go! Alvarez ties the game!
1: Subscribe to At-Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
0: Rondall tags this ball left field, he has done it again! Yes goes yard and it's one nothing. Sox he is feeling better huh the legs are good and if the legs are good he'll hit home runs and what he said was when the legs are good he can hit the ball in the air when he hits the ball in the air he's strong enough to take it out this was a great sign that he hit it to left field he hits a ball high in the air right center new ball. night third in two
2: days Jason Benetti Steve Stone NBC Sports Chicago White Sox baseball quite the ride yesterday as Monty Grandal with two walks in an inning two homers in a game and the headline on the piece Southside Sox by James Fox Said, for the record, Yasmani Grandal doesn't suck. Well, the fact that 670 the score right here in Chicago on Saturday suckage meant we should talk about this. And since James Fox wrote that on June 2nd, Yasmani Grandal has hit three home runs in two games. So we need to welcome to the show James Fox, and Yasmani Grandal owes it all to you, right, James?
1: yeah sure we can go with that thanks thanks for having me guys <laughs>
2: thanks for coming on so you make the point that I think is a uh, and is, is instructive as baseball moves along to a greater understanding of what players do and don't do and why it benefits it so he doesn't suck while hitting a ridiculous so far below the Mendoza line that that Mendoza laughing at him what what is the what were you saying here and why is it coming to fruition now
1: So, I mean, the gist of it is that, like, walking a lot is really important. And, uh, I mean, look, he's got the low batting average, and everybody would like to see him hit better. And, you know, I kind of made the argument that he needs to slug. I don't really think the White Sox care what his batting average is. um, So I feel like we shouldn't either, right? But if his OPS is in the 800s, as I think it's heading that direction, I mean, Steve Stone... You know, I talked about it last night on the broadcast a little bit, how he's getting a little bit more healthy. I mean, if he's hitting for power and getting on base at a clip around 400, I mean, that's kind of what they paid for. And, you know, I think we have a tendency to look at, at the batting average still and see that it's in the 130s and just assume that he's terrible when he just hasn't been. Now, if you don't like that type of player, this is what I've been trying to say. Like, people are totally allowed to, like, not like him or not, enjoy watching the way that he plays baseball but you can't really say that he's bad because he, he hasn't been bad. he's been very productive.
0: Yeah he's been productive and he obviously gets on base. I think some people were concerned over him taking or accepting a lot a lot of walks and ultimately what he did last night is what I think James, I think that's the player that whites because he because he said they're allowed to not like the type of player he might be that's the type of player that white Sox fans want yasmani grandal to be the guy who hits the the massive home run to tie the game at eight in the seventh inning do you, do you think that that's the type of player grandal wants to be to, or is he more comfortable i know it's kind of a silly question but is he is he okay just being him and taking walks and doing things like that as well No,
1: I think, I mean, the power is part of the profile that they paid for, obviously. I mean, I think he was fine taking the walks because he knew, kind of like Steve Stone said, that he was having issues like in his lower half Mm. and that like, you know, if he's hitting the ball on the ground, he's not really that valuable, you know? So he, I mean, look, he's going to strike out a fair amount, but he walks a ton and he's, you know, he should hit a pretty good amount of homers too. So once he does that, um, he is really effective. I mean, his line, his batting line, is one of the weirdest things I feel like that any of us have ever seen, right? Because, I mean, look, it it stands out when somebody's hitting in the 140s or whatever he's hitting, you know, and then he's on base still as often as he is. I mean, it's very strange. I mean, I touched on it in the piece that something, you know, you've talked about the batting average of balls in play is basically just every ball that you put into play, you know, so it doesn't count homers or strikeouts. I mean, it was – I think when I wrote the piece, his BABIP was 127, which – I mean, most players, you know, it normalizes around 300. So that kind of shows just, like, how unlucky he's been. Um, So, you know, some of that success is coming, like, according to some of the advanced metrics. And, you know, we've seen over the last three days he's been a lot better in a small sample.
2: We're talking with James Fox. You can read him at SouthSideSox.com. Speaking of Southside, today is the day the White Sox debut their new City Connect uniforms. I, I trust you guys. Mark, you and James saw the the jerseys. What did you guys think of them?
1: So I, I mean, I think they're great. Um, I mean, I saw some people had some qualms, I guess, with the South Side being one word. And you know, you're you're the journalist, Steve. I don't know if they, they were like trying to use it as an adjective or what. I mean, I kind of like like I think they're really cool. I, that part didn't bother me, but that was the thing that I saw that some people were upset with that South Side wasn't two words.
2: Well, I think I think the idea is when you make a noun out of it, you get to call it whatever you want. You get to name yourself whatever you want. And I I love the the gothic, right? The gothic font. I love the stripes. The colors are certainly terrific. I love the whole look, and it looks even better when you saw that Cubs ugly, just embarrassing Wrigleyville thing. I do not like the hats that say shy. That's just gotta stop. I Mark, we discussed this with when the NFL draft was here in his shy town, it's like nobody from Chicago says yeah, that. that. Stop it's, sounding, it's, stop this
0: stupid. It's, right, it's like shy, and I don't like it when people say cubbies, like, because, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, that's just not really a thing. But um, let's, I want to get back to the game here, James, and I want to work backwards. What what did you think of the way Tony LaRusa used or worked the ninth inning with Garrett Crochet starting the ninth and then obviously two on and two out. And then in comes your closer, Liam Hendricks. What did you think of that as it was happening last night?
1: So, I mean, as it was happening, I, I mean, I thought like I personally probably would have just started the ninth with Hendricks, but he hasn't really done that all year. So it's not something I was expecting. Um, The Garrett Crochet usage has been a little bit strange too. And, Rick Hahn came out a few days ago kind of saying that they were going to work him back in um, with, like, one-inning outings, and then his last two outings he's gone multiple innings. So, who knows? I mean, that you know, that's a guy that they're going to need. So, you know, it worked out last night. I, I didn't have a huge issue with the way they used the bullpen all together. I mean, I guess you'd like to see Dallas Keuchel continue possibly, but, I mean, that's easy to say in hindsight when two relievers come in and blow the game. So, I mean, he only had 80 pitches through six. Keiko hasn't been great um, the third time through the order, but, I mean, with a six-run lead, you would think he could probably go a little further. Um, but, you know, he got bailed out. I was happy that Tony went to Hendricks, um, you know, just in general, but I probably would have just done it for the full night at home.
2: I, I get the feeling we're watching Tony Larusa along with Ethan Katz or catch up. Tony LaRusso is catching up to what Ethan Katz probably already knows about these pitchers and how much they have, how they can stretch them out. What if we need them? What if it's another situation where Hendricks saves three games in two days and crochets the guy? And is he prepared for a, a five or six out save and we have a chance to stretch him out, what is he good for? And I wonder if the Keuchel thing is in response. First of all, it was hot and sweaty and it's gonna be that way the rest of the weekend into next week. And and I wonder if that's a response to the way the way La Russa didn't couldn't tell what everyone else knew about Giolito just not having it and and being left out there. I don't know if we're watching La Russa's learning curve in action in a game like last night.
1: No, I think we are. I think that's accurate. I, I think I think a lot of people, myself included, didn't think that Tony La Russa would need as much of like a feeling out process as he kind of has. I mean, look, he's been away from the game, from the dugout for a long time, right? But he's like the first one to tell everybody that he's been involved in the game this whole time. Like, don't treat this like he's been gone for 10 years. So I kind of just thought like, you know, like on a nightly basis, like I thought the White Sox would be fine because I thought Tony could do the job like, you know, from seven to 10 every night. I thought it would be some of the other stuff. But then, you know, there's been been a lot of issues, obviously. But I do think there's some truth to the fact that he has to kind of find out what he has. I mean, Evan Marshall came into the season as a right-handed, like, eighth-inning setup guy. He was pretty bad to start the year. I mean, I do think it's reasonable, like, to use him in high-leverage spots because they have to find out, like, are you going to have Evan Marshall down the stretch or are you going to have to trade for an eighth-inning guy? So, yeah, some of it's that. You don't want to blow six-run leads. I mean, look, it's not Tony's fault that... Cody Hoyer and Evan Marshall gave up runs last night, but it is easy to say, you know, okay, why, why wouldn't he leave the starter in? And there's probably some truth to the fact that, you know, he left the starter in earlier in the year and everybody was all over him. So if he leaves Keuchel in last night and Keuchel gives up like four runs in that inning, like, you know, he's got to wear that too. So yeah, I do, I do think it's a feeling out process, but I mean, him and his pitching coach seem to be working together on this stuff. And you see changes, you know, in real time after mistakes. So that part's at least positive.
0: That's a great point that you made about uh, Keuchel. Because I hadn't really thought about that, that earlier this year he took all that crap with, I know, the Giolito th- at one point in time. And, and so <laughs> you might be right that it was like, you know what? The Dallas Keuchels look great for six innings and 80 pitches. Let's get them out of there. But it as you were saying, that seventh inning was absolutely jarring to see a team. Detroit's bad. And to see them come back and score six against Hoyer and uh And Evan Marshall, as you said, and Eric Haas with the big three run homer coming right after the wave. I don't know what was more disturbing on that play, the wave (laughs) or the Haas three run homer. But I guess it did it did leave the door open for Grandal to hit the home run to tie it. And that brings us all the way to your mean Mercedes, who gets the game winning hit. What do you and that obviously doesn't solve all of his problems. What have you been thinking? about your mean mercedes just in a horrible slump or are we starting to see the, the your main mercedes who didn't make it to the big leagues until he was 28 years old
1: so i think it's a slump i mean i, I think this is you know probably an obvious like answer maybe but he's somewhere in between probably i mean he, there's no way he's the guy that we saw at the beginning of the year because he's look, he's probably not an all-star level player but i do think he can hit like in the big leagues and whether like your mean Mercedes, if he's a bench bat for you, like I think that's a positive, right? If this is a 28 year old minor leaguer, you know that doesn't really have a position. So if he contributes to a division winner, like that's a good thing. I don't think he's at a place right now where he should be starting at DH and hitting fifth every day because you do have even with the injuries. I mean, they have guys that have played well. I mean, Jake Lamb was a whipping boy early and myself included on some of that, but he's been really good against right-handed pitching. So, I mean, if a righty's on the mound, he's kind of got to be in the lineup. I love what Tony did today. Grandall's the DH. Like Grandall has to play against left-handed pitching. He's been so good against lefties, and LaRusse has been reluctant to play both catchers at the same time this year. I think this might be the second time all year that he's done it but it's necessary so you know mean has the day off today I do think he's going to contribute the rest of the way but it's not going to be where he's like you know carrying your team through the rest of the season waiting for Aloy and Robert to come back
2: well we shall see James we enjoyed the visit thank you for joining us today and bringing your insight we look forward to talking to you throughout what should be a a wonderful ride of a summer baseball season thank you sir
1: all right, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: That is James but, Fox of Southside Sox. Southsidesox.com. I have to. Um, I,
0: I, have to address, I do have to address a, a text that I hate but is spot on. From the 708. Grody. It's Mercedes like a car, not Mercedes. I'm just going to tell you this straight up. I, for whatever reason, I usually am pretty good with names. Like, I pride myself on that, like, the journalistic side of me I I have a weakness with your mean Mercedes I just like I'm all over the board with it I know what it is it just never goes from my brain to my mouth the proper way I don't know what it is do you have words like that or names like that Steve or is it just no matter how you know you're wrong but it just comes out incorrectly no matter what
2: I'm sure I do and I've not been I've not had I've not been corrected, or maybe I have, and I've just done it out of spite and said it right. that way because that would be very much like me. So I'm just—I'm trying.
0: Just, I want people to know that I'm trying, and it, it bothers me every time I I say, Yarmine. or you I'm just all over the board with his name. Yeah, Yarmine? R- it. <laughs> Mercedes. <laughs> it's not that hard, actually. See, it really isn't. It. It's not that oh difficult God. of a name at all. But I butcher
2: it. I love how you went when there's a pleadingness to it when the, that you go right into Will Ferrell's Alex Trebek. That's right. <laughs> That's the tone you struck. That's the sound that came out. All you have to do is <laughs> say the name. It's your <laughs> yeah. mean Mercedes, like See, the car. There you go. Right. Yeah. All right. Yerman Mercedes. All right. We're taking a break. Uh, before we do that, we need to do a production meeting on the air so we've got we've got I I would like to do what Mark heard at the top of the next hour so it has a lot of space a lot of time great addition and we replayed Jed Hoyer's interview with um, Bruce Levine and David Hall from inside the clubhouse earlier today we do that at 140 so I want to do what are you doing Wagner because today's a big day in, in baseball we can debate whether it's a baseball movie or not but it's a big day in baseball, and all I can tell you is this: life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop oh, oh. and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Roddy. So should we do it that way, Mark Roddy? Is that?
0: Yeah, that sounds great. I like that, the kind of flip-flopping. Sometimes you got to change things up to keep it fresh.
2: Right, and we got something that Dave Miska, the master of all knowledge, retweeted that I think is um, the highest compliment I could pay is. This whole thing is good enough to steal. And I I stole that line from Rick Talley, the late Tribune columnist. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we'll be back with this kind of nonsense and Saturday suckage. And what are you doing, Wagner? Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is
0: Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station.
2: What are you doing, Wagner? Woohoo. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Well, we're doing this. We're doing this on um, anniversary 1985. Ferris Bueller had a day off. Fast. You don't
1: stop and look around once in a while.
2: You could miss it. Yeah, indeed. So, John Hughes. John Hughes wrote that classic, Ferris Bueller's Day Off with a one-sentence pitch to Paramount executive Ned Tannen. I want to do a movie about a kid who takes a day off from school, and and that's all I know so far. And Hughes wrote the script in six days, which is actually about twice as long as it usually took him to write scripts, because he usually did it over a weekend. Everybody who was around him said he was just a maniac in the way he got it done. And and that was that was the way John Hughes worked. And it was set in the town of Shermer, Illinois which was the street and whatever and so the role of Cameron the role of Cameron was played mm-hmm. by Alan Rock because Emilio Estevez turned it down Wow there's,
0: there's always you know. a story like that there's always like that and I'm sure he was happy to take it and he he played I have no idea how Emilio would have played it but like that was a great character. A a depressed young man who went up against his dad and took out the car.
2: Bueller. Yeah, that's it. That's Ben Stein. He was. What's your favorite?
0: Old... Uh, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite John Hughes film? Is that it?
2: That's Ferris it. Bueller. It's, it, it's Ferris Bueller. It's just great. It's something. It, it because it <clears throat> is isn't, isn't that every kid's fantasy. Or, or your fantasy that as you look back. Oh, I wish. I could. Oh, yeah, I want to do that. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> drive this car out of the dealership and take my friend's dad's car and I'm gonna go to the Cubs game and and I'm just gonna I'm gonna go to the art museum and just and I'm gonna fool around with my friends and that's just what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna well, fake sick. I'm gonna yeah, freak and, sick. and
0: and everybody kinda wanted to be Ferris Bueller, the popular guy with the hot girlfriend, Uh with all the friends, with the perfect parents, in the nice house, in the nice neighborhood, and taking advantage of all the niceties. Like, like, yeah, God, I'd like to be that
2: guy. Bueller? Yeah. Bueller? Well, they made him say that. John Hughes made him say that because the, the extras who played the students were laughing so hard when he said that that he decided to put him on screen. And, by the way, the hot girlfriend, that was Sloan. Mia Sarah. Mia Sloan, yeah. It was played by Mia Serra. Um, That role was offered to Molly Ringwald.
0: Of course it
2: was. Apparently, the part was not big enough for her, according to reports. So, there you go. That's it for item. Let's move on to item number two. Cool, cool. This was retreated by Dave Miska, the master of all knowledge. You know Dave Miska! Miska! And it comes from Paul Myers, who I did not know. He's the host and producer of the Record Store Day podcast. And he's done other music industry writing. This line is so good. To steal a line from former Tribune columnist Rick Talley, this line is good enough to steal. So Paul Myers tweeted this out. One of the funniest things my wife has ever done. We were walking into a department store that had Beatles music playing on the PA. She turned to me and said loudly for the benefit of everyone to hear, hey, this is that band I was telling you about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no
2: That's just brilliant. And he finishes uh. the tweet, Reader, I'd marry her again. That's just brilliant, isn't it? It's adorbs. Yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. I know I'm gonna steal that. That's pretty good. I'm, yeah, this it is that. Wait, so bad. how did
0: you? I, wait, so Miska retweeted it, or how does Miska, Miska retweeted? Miska come I never, in? I did oh. not know
2: who this guy was, but Miska retweeted it because I follow Miska on Twitter, and whatever Dave's got going on, the master of all knowledge, I certainly, I certainly want to know it. So that was it, and I thought this is a keeper. This is a keeper. All right, next item. The. The Lakers got beat by the Suns. It's all over. Sort of they a, did. A gentleman's sweep, which is a five-game series. And Snoop Dogg, the president emeritus of the Waken Bay Club, <clears throat> had something to say about that. And he tweeted out, Never thought I'd say it, but we sorry, and the Clippers better than us. Frank Vogel can't coach, and why the bleep Montrezl Harrell and get no run? Bleep, this is heartbreaking. A hurt more than Mary J. Blige records. <laughs> He's soft. <laughs> He's taking everyone down. Lakers lose and Snoop Dogg is taking everyone down.
0: I didn't that was, think that I didn't think that like taking down Mary J. Blige, I mean she's a that's yeah. a classic. That that's that that strikes me as unnecessary, Snoop.
2: Yeah. Well, you can tell them at, at our next Wake and Bake Club meeting. Yeah, um, absolutely. Here's something I love this whole idea. The Corpus Christi hooks. Um, you, we've seen that. We've been we've we've been at games and we've seen the ceremonial first pitch. And we have no idea. They tell us who these people are, and unless it's a former Cub before a playoff game or something like that. All right, it's just somebody, that the advertiser gets a gets a payoff or something like that. This though, uh, it was dog day about a week and a half ago or so, 10 days ago. So what the Corpus Christi hooks did was they had the ground crew walk out with the grounds dog whose name is Teal, because of course that's one of the team colors. And they had the ceremonial first fetch. (laughs) And what they did with this retriever was that the grounds crew member walked out from the grounds crew area to the area between pitcher's mound and second base. And the dog is looking. He knows the ball's in the the hand of that grounds crew member. And he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting, and he's walking with him. And they get out to that spot, and the grounds crew member throws it into center field. (laughs) And Teal, the grounds dog... Goes to fetch it and bring it back, the ceremonial first fetch. That's and great. It's, yes, it's it's really it's it's a great, it's a great video, it's a great clip, and he's and you have you see players applauding on their gloves, as Teal comes back in with the ball and brings it right to where he's supposed to.
0: And he I think they the ought to adopt or, that. they yeah. adopt that at the big like the Cubs. I mean that's very <laughs> like minor league creativity, but. People love
2: dogs. Try it. They do. Yeah. Right. And they they cheer for that. So you know how you can find translate tweet at the bottom of some of the tweets. Sure. Right. Well, the Montreal Canadiens are they're full service for you. So, they they last night they play they beat the Jets and this time one nothing the only goal came from Tyler Toffoli, shorthanded. So the Canadiens tweeted out. And this will help you to to uh, seem smarter than you are. Tyler Toffoli, period. That's it, comma. C'est ça le tweet. (laughs) That's it. In English, that's the tweet. In French, c'est ça (laughs) le tweet. I was waiting for the translation. (laughs) Right. Well, you got it right there. You figured it out. C'est ça le tweet. That's That's it. That's the tweet. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, MLB closed captioning as a Twitter follow, as a Twitter site. Uh huh. And then I found something I really liked. It was, um, I I have no idea which game this was, but it doesn't matter. And what the closed captioning said was, now Bobby Demeck gets the basketball and shoots it. It was some kind of major league game. Bobby Demeck. gets the the ball and shoots it shoots it yeah i have no idea wow so would you want to go swimming in a pool that was 10 stories up and it was built between two residential skyscrapers two residential skyscraper apartment houses there's two apartment houses and this pool is 82 feet long. It is made of a acrylic, so you are looking straight down and straight out in this 82 foot pool, and it's in it's in London, and it connects these two apartments, and you're 10 stories up.
0: Isn't oh my God! Yeah. That yeah. so it's just it's just hanging there basically. It is. It's, it it yeah. looks
2: like it's just hang in there if this were a movie you'd say it's a bridge that's ready to collapse and and we're getting on with the show
0: i'm pretty sure that would be a non-starter for me i don't think i would need to be in that pool no because i know (laughs) that they would tell you that oh this this building is safer than your house or this is the safest structure in the world but like you know, I don't know. I've I've always had the philosophy where the result of of failure is death. Like I don't do it. Like if there is to be some sort <laughs> it's of a
2: bad option, right? Like if there's some sort of
0: failure with that pool, you're dead. Uh,
2: okay, the pool is ten feet deep. The water alone reportedly weighs around three hundred and seventy five tons. It was lifted into place by a seven hundred and fifty ton. Mobile crane, which was supported itself by a 50-ton crane. You sure you don't want to go up there? You sure they got it right? Like it's a piece of Lego. It really looks like a piece of Lego.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) Would you
2: do it? No, no. I I had bouts of acrophobia as Uh. young as a child. I might I might do it if I did it. The whole you know tiptoe in thing and just Uh sort of get closer. Do I feel safe? Sort of get closer. And then get the hell out. get in get out. <laughs> I might. I'm reminded of um, an interview, some anniversary of Jaws and Richard Dreyfus is saying that the effect that that whole thing had on he and Steven Spielberg that they happened to be at the beach years later and he said, yeah, I think we got to barely where the waves waves came into the shore and we just sort of got some water in our hands and patted our chest with it and said no i'm good i'm going back to the sand <laughs> they, they freak themselves out yes that's awesome. yes yes that's it so i, I would think... be very delicate
0: getting into the pool too like a pool like that i'd be very careful i wouldn't jump in i wouldn't like you know push my weight down on the on the floor if, if it's shallow enough i'd be very
2: scared too like that makes a difference
0: right like, yeah, it, like it makes no good. difference and there's probably no weight limit or anything like that but that's the way i would feel
2: so, often we come, we come to you, we come to, what are you doing, Wagner, with some police log stuff. I found a police log that I, I love, not just for the incidents, but the way the police themselves write it. It's in Arcata, California, which is Northern California, and it's along the coast. Uh, it's east of Sacramento. And the Arcata, California police log includes such things as this. Timestamp, Tuesday, May 4th, 9.40 a.m., a volunteer landscaper emptied out trash cans in the roadway near the Portland loo of shock and awe <clears throat> until handcuffs limited the use of his upper extremities. I, I thought Ooh. that was stylishly done. <laughs> 1.50 p.m., this is on a police log, I don't know how or why, but it's on the police log. A woman whose car was making a funny noise Took it to the muffler shop. (laughs) I don't don't, don't get it. Okay. 5.33 p.m. When his panhandling request was turned down, a man in Northtown got out a knife and started stabbing a tree. Oh. He was was soon arrested on a warrant. (laughs) Oh. I'm glad he was
0: stabbing the tree.
2: Yeah. 6.34. Someone reported that a band performing on a crescent way mexican restaurant's patio was loud but forgot to mention that it was awesome <laughs> this is a police log i love the the way they're they're approaching this 842 a man refused to depart the outdoor dining area of an l street restaurant no he'd rather stay argue with patrons and try to light the grass on fire <laughs> That is just so good. Incredible. On another day, the the entry just says, note to self, when a woman has a restraining order against you, or even when she doesn't, don't invite her to commit lewd acts with you via FaceTime. Ooh, I think that's good policy. I think that's excellent policy. In 1017, one night, a woman at a plaza hotel reported that when she looked in the mirror she didn't look like herself oh also she thought there were drugs in the hotel Of course there there you go i love police logs all right that's this it. A good, good are finds are
0: you, by you good that's a good addition yes
2: i love that i love i had a this week the um, i don't know if you saw it did you see the tony larusa the the arrest tape the video of that Heard the sure. audio, did not see the video. Yeah. So there's something else I thought of. Let me run it by you, and you can see if I'm just being hypercritical, if I'm going out of my way to be mean, or okay. if there's something to it. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosen from Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score.
0: Bueller. 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 This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670TheScore.com, Chicago Sports Station.
2: Hall of Famer. This guy's like the Michael Jordan of baseball. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, he's like World Series manager, like Manager of the Year. <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch baseball like that, bro. Michael Jordan of baseball. Well, last night he tied John McGraw for second most wins in Major League history. Are those the cops money. talking, by the way, Stevie? Yeah. I, I, Brandon Fryer played that, and I thought that was LaRussa's line. And then and LaRusse saying, uh, Hall of Famer baseball person, and then the cops saying, well, he's a Michael Jordan of baseball. He's done all this managing. And the other one, not being a baseball fan. Oops. But that's exactly what... <clears throat> What I wanted to talk about the the tape that was released the White Sox said we don't understand the newsworthiness that it was released and newsworthiness is often a news organization gets its hands on something like that and so it becomes news we're releasing it but it prompted me to to wonder about this we, we talked about Larousse's we talked about what he did to Yermine Mercedes Called him clueless. Said he shouldn't have hit William, Willens Astudio's 3-0 pitch for a home run. Ordered the code red for the Twins to throw at Mercedes. Like Did nothing to protect his player. Which would sound like it's not respecting the game. Larusa was big about playing the respect the game card. Larusa was big about defending steroid users. I don't know how that respects the game as well. But this struck me as a and for an individual, reaching the Hall of Fame is the greatest is is the greatest accomplishment. It is not part of the team accomplishment. You need a team to do it, but it's the greatest individual accomplishment. <clears throat> you're part of a select group, you're in the Hall of Fame. Is that is is that respecting the game when you're being investigated, pulled over, questioned as potentially committing one of the six societal woes kills people injures people and you're using your hall of fame status as like a get out of dui free card does this sound like the latest hypocrisy or another version of hypocrisy for a guy who's claiming to respect the game because that's what i thought am i going too far mark
0: well i, I of course it it is Like you know, to use that frivolously I I suppose um, to demote the importance of it to being drunk and driving yeah what you're saying makes sense but on the other hand I will say this desperate times calls for desperate (laughs) measures that when any of us are in trouble we are going to pull every single card we have out of our pockets until we're stripped down naked and to try to get out of something horrible and that's where Tony LaRusso was. And remember, he was drunk. So, so yeah, he demoted the importance. Um, oh, oh! So, sorry guys, interrupt. Sorry guys, interrupt. But we do have a caller who wants to Grant, add to the suckage.
2: That's and- our breaking phone sounder. So, Brandon Fryer, our producer. Why don't you introduce this caller?
0: Yes, we have Jordan in Libertyville.
2: Hmm. Jordan, Jordan, welcome to the Score. Thanks for how's being it going, breaking collar. Great. What's on your mind, Jordan? Oh, good. Um, so here's the thing that never gets brought up with Tony La Russa. He was managing a team when Josh
0: Hancock, you know, got in a DUI accident, killed himself, and he still has the audacity to drive drunk. And th- not to mention, this is in 1978. There's Uber. There's Lyft. There's a million other options to drive home. So I mean, this guy is just in my opinion, is deplorable.
2: <laughs> but that, well, uh, he's, he's certainly hypocritical and I know what Mark's saying. Thanks for the call, Jordan. I I had not thought of that, but there was certainly a yeah, there's there's a lot of parts of Tony La Russa that are, sound more sanctimonious than sensible. And the 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 point about being desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah. Mark I think you're that's that's a big part of that. But still, right. if you're if you were respecting the game, you wouldn't be desperate enough to use the Hall of Fame status as a get-out-of-drunk-driving-free card.
0: Yeah, and as for the the caller is spot on. Like there are so many easy ways, to, more now than ever, to not to avoid drinking and driving with Uber. Usually, what this means, and I'm not saying that this is the case with Tony La Russa, but one could suspect. But in general, when one gets a DUI, it usually means that they've gotten away with drinking and driving a 100 times before that. that. That's probably part of yeah. their playbook. And then yeah. you stop doing it, hopefully, once, once you get caught. So that's the answer to that. People think they can get away with it because they do get away with it until they don't get away with it.
2: Right. And it works every time but one. So, the, the, by the way, I mentioned a studio, uh who pitched last night. The Twins lost 13-5. to So, he did not give up a hit on a 3-0 homer. I mean, he did not give up a homer on a 3-0 pitch. Mm, so, Larusa does not have to order the Twins to throw at any Royals players. <laughs> just, just just so you know. Uh it's there were no, know. Apparently, the Royals don't have any clueless players, and maybe he didn't throw anything close on 3-0. Um, and, by the way, there's an old friend alert. This may... This may sound familiar to what you watch, Mark. Tyler Chatwood became the first reliever in Blue Jays history to allow six hits without recording an out. Way to go, Tyler! Yeah, yeah.
0: I'd forgotten he was on the Blue Jays. I, yeah. I'm glad I got that update. Old yep. friend
2: to learn. So the um, we started a show a couple of weeks ago with the breaking news <clears throat> that there was not a no-hitter thrown in baseball. There almost was last night. <laughs> almost. Freddy there was Peralta. a Peralta in effect, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Right. He was five outs from a no-no uh, against the Diamondbacks. I didn't know this, but it was his birthday, Friday. I think I read that on Twitter. Yeah. You're right. He was trying to throw. He would have been just the second pitcher to throw a no-hitter on his birthday. Have the any idea being? who the who remains the only one now? This is this is quite a thing. This is when you do when you go down rabbit holes. This is what happens.
0: Um,
2: this, um Roy Halliday.
0: <laughs>
2: okay. George Mullen, the legendary George Mullen. He did it on his 32nd birthday. His birthday is the Fourth of July. Oh my God! He was born Yankee Doodle Dandy. We what thought a day. it was just Dave Rigetti. but no. George Mullen, born on the Fourth of July, in 1880, he threw that no-hitter in 1912. Born on the Fourth of July. Gro- when did this
0: become less, the Gro? did this become less less Grobstein show? What are we doing just here? just something
2: because it's yeah. baseball. When it happens, like oh, we have to go all the way back there, and um, he no-hit the <laughs> St. Louis Browns part of a doubleheader oh on his god. birthday, ladies and gentlemen. George Mullen pitching for the Detroit Tigers.
0: Oh my Thank god. Me. How yeah, about we'll that? Yeah. The St. Louis Browns and
2: Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, Do you know, by the way, I've been I again another rabbit hole. Sometimes you just end up with this and Joe West set the record for games umpired and and he did it in Chicago and 53, 75 games. (sighs) Stories were told about Joe West. David Fries said, early in my career, I walked up to home plate and didn't say hi to Joe West. He waited for Arroyo to start his windup. Time, he calls. He looked up at me and said, I don't know what part of the country you're from, but you say hi to me, you're first at bat. Play ball. (laughs) Play ball. We're the first... We were friends for the next 10 years. <laughs> that was Joe. You you say hi to me, mister. Let me tell you about Joe West. Yeah. Do you know the record he broke? He broke Bill Clem's record. Bill Clem's a Hall of Fame umpire. Do you know what his nickname is?
0: What's the, what's his name? Phil Clem? Bill,
2: Bill Clem? Bill Clem. Bill. Bill Clemmer? His nickname is Catfish. Of course. Specifically, his lips made him look like... A catfish, and if you wanted to get kicked out of a game, you just yelled out, catfish. Uh, that sucks. He oh kicked out, in fact, he was so sensitive to it, Bill Clem once kicked out a player who was drawing a picture of a catfish with his foot in the infield dirt. <laughs> and if you think Joe West was a show, listen to what Bill Clem did on October 1st, 1914. In response to name calling from the New York Giants bench, he threw out everyone on the bench, all 24 <laughs> players. I'll give you fish lists. Right. out of here. You know that's something for <laughs> Joe West to aspire to. And this—tell oh. me this doesn't sound like Joe West. Bill Clem's quotes sound like they could have come from Joe West easily. Like, it ain't nothing till I call it. Oh, that's great. But here's why you should know this man. He umpired the first All-Star game, the one at Chicago's Comiskey Park in 1933. Okay. He is credited with developing the inside chest protector. Oh. Although he claims the other he claims the the it was the work of others. He will claim credit for teaching umpires to work the slot, which he claimed gave umpires a better look at the strike zone by yeah. looking between the catcher and the batter. That's the slot. And he was the one who developed the system for arm and hand signals, safe, outstrike, fair, or foul. Because he thought that the guys in the bleachers should be able to see what the, the, his quote was, the guy in a 25-cent bleacher seat is as much entitled to know a call as the guy in the boxes. He can see my arm signal even if he can't hear my voice. Does This is old fish face still you're talking about. This is Bill Clem. This yeah. is Bill Clem. He's, he's legendary. And this was the best story i found. And it was attributed to him. It might be apocryphal. It might not. I want to believe this is true. A, he called out a batter on strikes. The batter <laughs> believed he was wrong. Uh-huh. The batter flung his bat straight up in the air. And Bill Clem looked at him and said, son, if that bat comes down, you're out of the game. <laughs> I was hoping for a,
0: another fish reference. Yeah. He puckered well, no, his no, lips it was, up and started yeah.
2: smacking them back yeah. and forth, and yeah. I said, "Get, get, get yeah, your dude. ass out of this game!" Right. So that back comes down, you're out of the game. So that's Bill Catfish. Oh, <laughs> that's that's uh, baseball. is that, that, fun.
0: Like, that's very funny. That's very funny.
2: All right, we will get to now. We'll take a break when we come back. It's time for what Mark heard. Can you it's, tease us? Tease oh, us it's like Mark? there
0: is some. There is. There is some Ozzie Gian audio, so he oh. here's the tease. He he called out the me, the White Sox media last night, and I have to play something that Ozzie said the night before that left me sitting in my place by myself, actually laughing out loud. It's so funny. What? Uh, Alrighty I need to hear it. And then I got some bears, cause did you know I had Marty Morningweg on my show last night? I had the ex-Detroit Lions coach, longtime coordinator. He was on last night with me, and he was just delightful. And I'll tell you what he said about Justin Fields and the Bears, and much more coming up on this hot edition of what Mark heard.
2: I'm looking forward to that. And I want to say that our we have textures here, the two two four texture who brought us right back down to Saturday Suckage. Remember that pool we were talking about? It strung yeah. across two London high, uh, skyscrapers.
0: 10 sure I do. Up.
2: Imagine the pride of the first guy to pee in that pool. That was <laughs> the next. We're so proud. We're well, so it proud. Me. It's Saturday Suckage, like it ought to be. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score.